Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. As you're finding Luke chapter 1, I want to pose a question that I want you to kind of ponder for just a few minutes uh, as we jump into this story together here. I want to ask you the question, what's the biggest announcement you've ever heard? What's the biggest, greatest, maybe most important announcement you've ever heard? 2020 has been filled with very different and strange announcements for us, right? A lot of things have changed. A lot of kind of weird things have taken place, whether it's through news or sports or or, uh, other things that we found out about our world or our country. Uh, Maybe we've been involved personally with some big announcements over the years, right? I'll, I'll never forget for me, uh, 9-11, and many of you lived through that. Never forget hearing about that for the first time I was teaching school. Uh, I'll never forget how that day went, how I felt, uh, all the emotions, the range of emotions throughout that day and, and, and the weeks to follow. Some, sometimes big announcements are heard all around the world, and sometimes big announcements are quiet and reserved. The angel Gabriel made an announcement to Mary centuries ago that she would give birth to a son and call him Jesus. It was, in my estimation, the most important announcement ever made, and yet it passed with absolutely no recognition from the outside world. Quiet, peaceful, and at least in that time and in that place, nobody seemed to really care. For thousands of years, God had prepared. For thousands of years, God had spoken through his prophets in the Old Testament. For thousands of years, he had talked about Messiah. And as we saw last week in Galatians chapter 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. And so I want to look this morning at the announcement made by Gabriel to Mary. I want to think about that announcement. Luke 1 and Luke 2 are important parts of the Christmas story. Obviously, we're going to look more in detail at Luke chapter 2 next week. But I want to think this week about the announcement and really God's plan to redeem his people back to himself. And so let's jump right in this morning, Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 26 through 33. Have those on the screen or you can follow along in your Bible as well. Luke 1 beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. I want to think about that announcement this morning. That announcement was significant to Mary. 
That announcement was significant to Joseph. That announcement was significant to the people that lived in the first century. But I believe that announcement was significant all through history, history and is still significant for us today. The, the announcement mattered to Mary, and it matters to us as well. So here's the first truth I want you to get this morning from this text. Number one, the announcement was for all people for all time. The announcement was for all people for all time. Now, I talked last week a good bit about Old Testament prophecy, and we studied Galatians chapter 4. And I love Old Testament prophecy. I love studying it. I love thinking about it for, for a couple of reasons. One, it points to the plan that God had from the beginning. Like none of this was an accident. None of this happened last minute. God from the beginning had a plan. But the other reason I love Old Testament prophecy, it really proves that the Bible is true. It shows us that God from the beginning understood and knew, and hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, he explained it to us, and he showed it to us. And I talked some last week about prophecy, and I gave you a, a few verses. I want to delve a little bit more into that this week, because it ties in so well to this announcement that Gabriel made to Mary. Now, just a little bit of Bible information, just, you, just so you'll be clear and understand what's going on here. When Malachi was written, that's the last book of the Old Testament, when it was written, after it was written, there were approximately 400 years of silence before the New Testament was written. And so the, the people didn't understand it or didn't know it at the time, but they were living in what, what's now referred to as the intertestamental period. It was a time between the writing, the end of the writing of the Old Testament and the beginning of the writing of the New Testament. So there are about 400 years there when the Lord doesn't speak through his prophets, <clears throat> when nothing is written down. And so when Gabriel comes to Mary, it's the first time in at least 400 years that Messiah had been spoken about again. It's the first time in 400 years that we see the fulfillment of the prophecies beginning. And so I want to show you this I want you to see this and understand how these two connect together. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 again. I want you to notice verse 26, if you pull that up. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee from Nazareth. Now I want to make a connection for you, right? I think one of the important things about studying Scripture is that we understand it's connected together. These are not isolated events. They're not isolated accounts. Uh, Luke is not an isolated book. They're given to us in the, the fulfillment of the canon of Scripture, right? 66 books that all tell this interwoven uh, story about redemption throughout history. And so I want you to understand that when the angel comes to Mary and explains what's about to happen to her, what's happening is we're fulfilling now or we're seeing the fulfillment of hundreds of years of Old Testament prophecies. And so if you've got your Bibles, I didn't put it on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, you can flip back just a second to Isaiah chapter 9. Right? I'm going to give you a second. Keep your spot in Luke chapter 1. Flip back to Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read just a couple of verses out of the early part of Isaiah. And as you're finding Isaiah 9, let me just remind you, if you don't know this, Isaiah was written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Okay, so 700 years before the birth of Jesus, we see this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Here's what the scripture says, looking ahead to Jesus. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. 
In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, but in the future, he will honor, here it is, Isaiah 9, 1, Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah chapter 9 prophesies, looks ahead to the time when a light will come among the people. A light will walk in the darkness. A light will walk in the darkness of the people of Galilee by the sea along the Jordan. Right Now when the angel comes, he goes to Mary to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Right, He's fulfilling prophecy and you probably remember this. But Jesus did most of his ministry around the sea of Galilee. And so we see this direct connection between Isaiah 9 prophesying about Galilee and the angel Gabriel now coming to Mary and fulfilling that prophecy. Back to Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. This is verse 27. Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now in Isaiah chapter 7, if you're still in Isaiah, you can look back a couple of chapters. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, looking ahead to Jesus. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So Isaiah has already said, listen, a light is going to walk in the darkness in Galilee. A virgin is going to give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary in Galilee and she's a virgin and tells her she's going to give birth to a son, right? So we're seeing all these Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. We're seeing all this truth of hundreds and hundreds of years of looking ahead to Messiah being announced now from Gabriel to Mary. But I want you to look at at maybe the most interesting part of this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 1. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, some of you remember the story of David. If you've ever done any Old Testament study or research, you'll know that David was a king of Israel, the most powerful king of Israel. You may remember David as the guy that killed Goliath, right? But David was prophesied about in the Old Testament, and the house and the lineage and the future of David was prophesied in the Old Testament. So just listen to this passage of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 12. This is talking about King David. When your days are over, this is David, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring, right? This is the offspring of David to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He, this is looking ahead to Messiah, is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, So in 2 Samuel, we see that even within the Old Testament prophecies of David, we're reminded that Messiah will one day come, that his kingdom will be of all the world, that his kingdom will never end. And so there's all these pictures, there's all these reminders, there's all these prophecies of the Old Testament that shows us exactly who Jesus was going to be. Now, I'm going to kind of make the connection for you, so just stay with me for another minute or two here. 
Now, I'm sure most of you probably don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about genealogies. Anybody interested just for fun with their family's genealogy? Anybody do that? A couple of people. My dad did that a lot, and it's interesting to me. I haven't delved into it quite as much as he has. Uh, But genealogies for us today are interesting and and maybe kind of fun. Back then, they were a bigger deal because they talked about your lineage, uh, especially with kings and heirs. And in Matthew chapter 1, there's a genealogy of Jesus. So you can read in in Matthew chapter 1 all these people that are related to Jesus. I'm going to read you kind of a summary in Matthew chapter 1, 17. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So we see Abraham linked up to David, linked up to Jesus. Now, here's what you'd find if you were to study through the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1. You'd find a lot of great people in there. Abraham, David, so on and so forth. You'd find a lot of people that did a lot of great things. But here's the interesting thing about the genealogy of Jesus. And if you have time over the break, maybe you'd be interested in doing something like this. You can, you can walk through the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. And every name you come to, you can go into the Old Testament and read about that person. You can do the research and find the references and go and read about that person. You'll find a lot of great people, but you'll also find a lot of bad people in the house and line of David. Right? Jacob was selfish. He lied to his father. He lied to his brother. Uh, there's, some, there's some prostitutes in this uh, genealogy of Jesus. David himself, who was the greatest king of Israel, was a, a man who committed adultery and lied and murdered and, and did some pretty horrific things. There are great people in the genealogy of Jesus, but there are some pretty bad people as well. Now, now here's why I think this matters to us. I think this announcement wasn't just for certain people. It wasn't just for a certain group of good people that accomplished good things. This announcement wasn't just for the first century. It wasn't just for the people that lived in Nazareth or around the area of Galilee. This announcement was for all people, people that had done a lot of good things and people that had done a lot of bad things as well. And so the application for us is Jesus can take kind of, kind of whatever baggage you have, whatever mistakes you have made, whatever sins you've committed, and when you offer them to him in forgiveness, he redeems you and then uses you for the sake of his kingdom. Do you understand that? Like It's amazing to me all the kind of bad people we see in this genealogy. It's amazing to me how God can take uh, what we would consider the worst of the worst, some, some of the worst sins imaginable, and he can take those things and use them for his glory, right? God has got a plan for the universe. God has got a plan for you. God can take you regardless of where you are and use your life for his glory. And so if anybody ever tells you or you ever fall in this trap of thinking, listen, God can't use me because I've done this or because I've fought this, or because I've committed this sin or that sin, that's a lie from the enemy. Nothing about your past is going to preclude the Lord using you in the future. Nothing. He's the God of forgiveness. He's the God of redemption. He's the God of hope. And this announcement reminds us this was for all people for all time. Let's continue through this. I want you to see the next truth here. Look at verse 29. This is Mary. But she was greatly troubled, right? It's always interesting, the fear that comes over people and angels uh, come to see them, right? Powerful, powerful beings. She was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Right, the first thing we see is the announcement was for all people for all time. Truth number two, this announcement was a picture of salvation. Right, this announcement is a picture of salvation. I want you to notice how we see this. I want you to notice where this comes from. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 28. Pull verse 28 if you would, for me, please, I want you to see what happens in verse 28. Go back one, verse 28. There we go, verse 28. The Bible says, and he came to her, this is the angel in verse 28, and he said to her, greetings, oh, what's the word there? Favored one, the Lord is with you. Go to verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found, what's the word there? favor with God, right? Twice we see this word. Oh, favored one, you found favor with the Lord. And this is a word we just kind of skim over, right? One of the struggles of Christmas is we know this story so well, we forget to look at the details, right? And just kind of to be transparent with y'all, I struggle preaching at Christmas. I love Christmas. And I love the story and the account of Christmas, but it's the same story every year, right? And sometimes I feel like there's pressure to find new and fascinating parts of the story, right? Because we've all heard it before. We know the story. We know the accounts. But I think sometimes we get so used to them and so accustomed to looking at it, and we just kind <clears> of, <throat> excuse me, move, part, move past the significant parts of the story. And so one of them is the way in which the angel speaks to Mary. Oh, favored one, you have found favor with the Lord. And let me just give you some examples of this in other places, right? Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, the Bible says, Noah found, here's the word, favor in the eyes of the Lord. Gideon, in Judges, Judges chapter 6, verse 17, says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah, who's the mother of the prophet Samuel, as she's praying for a son in the temple, she says, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Right? We see this word favor used time and time again. What we see in this text and another text is that God uses these people. He uses these lowly people sometimes, people that seem insignificant, people that probably shouldn't be doing the things that they're doing. He uses those people. He grants them favor. He looks favorably upon them, blesses them, and they accomplish great things for the kingdom of the Lord. All right, we see this with Mary. Right? I, I, I got a feeling if we were put in charge of finding the mother of Jesus, we probably wouldn't have chosen Mary. Right, a young girl, not even married. It was scandalous then, right? She lived in a little town that nobody heard of. It was a, an outpost that nobody cared about. Right? She was nothing important or significant necessarily about her. But God saw her and used her and granted her favor. And then he says in verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus in the Greek means the Lord saves, right? This is the same thing that the angel had told to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 when he speaks to Joseph and tells him what's about to happen in verse 21. He says, she, this is Mary, will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
Right? It's interesting how the Lord has kind of built into this name, built into this story, this idea of salvation, this idea that the Lord prepares, this idea that the Lord will forgive us and use us regardless of who we are, regardless of where we've been. And so I want to kind of give this, uh, give this plea. I, I try not to miss an opportunity to do this. We talk about salvation. Many, many of us in this room have prayed to receive Christ. We've given our hearts and our souls to him. But if you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a few minutes after our service is over, I'm going to stand right down here. I'd be happy to speak to you, walk you through that process, help you understand exactly what salvation is. So let's finish this thing up, right? The announcement is for all people. It's an announcement of hope. It's an announcement of salvation. Now look at verse 31 again as we wind this down. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdoms there will be no end. Truth number three, the announcement was evidence of Christ's eternal reign. The announcement was evidence of Christ's eternal reign. Right? You, you need to understand this truth about who Jesus is. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He's always been there. He always will be. And so as we walk through struggles, as we walk through difficulties, we understand that Jesus walks with us. Right? This wasn't just some little child. This wasn't just some king. This was the king that was going to reign over the universe forever and ever and ever. And that's what Isaiah chapter 9 says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We serve a king that is the ruler of the universe that always has been and always will be. And I hope that brings you peace. I hope the idea if his eternal reign brings you comfort. And, and I pray during this time of year, we know that, that Christmas seems busier and busier. And I know with COVID, things are very different this year. But it's very easy for us to get kind of caught up in the materialism and the busyness of Christmas and all the lights and, and the presents and all those things are fun and that's a part of Christmas. But let's not lose sight of exactly who Jesus was and exactly who Jesus is and exactly what Jesus still accomplishes in our lives. Right? This announcement is for everybody. It brings salvation and it shows us that Jesus is the eternal king from the beginning of time until the end. Are you living for him? Are you trusting him? Are you seeing this Christmas, his real meaning, and are you allowing his glory to live out in your life for all the world to see? Let me pray for us now and we're going to be done. Father, we thank you for 
uh, this announcement. We thank you for this text, Father. We thank you for uh, what you've shown us and for what you've done. I pray, Lord, uh, that in this place there are people that have uh, trusted you for many years that are faithful. Father, I pray that there are, uh, if someone here that has not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the moment, this would be the day, Father. Just grip their hearts, grip their minds, Father. Lead us now to a place of worship. Use us for the sake of your kingdom. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.